And I'm live. Andy, where are we? So we're in Team Rhino HQ in Finglas. We're located in a Finglas Business Centre. It's on the Jamestown Road. Um, about two minutes from the Finglas Village. So it's Finglas. And Team Rhino, what or who is Team Rhino? Yeah, so Team Rhino is um, a martial arts family, I'd say. We've clubs around the country and we've two main clubs in Dublin. Um, so our MMA, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, wrestling, judo type of based gym. Um, I suppose we're 50-50 with the Jiu-Jitsu and the MMA. That's what we are, really. Okay, and is there a leaning towards either? or No, um, it actually chops and changes. So a lot of our guys, like say, a fine example would be Reds or Paul Redmond. He's probably our top professional fighter, MMA-wise. But he also competes in Jiu-Jitsu, you know? Of course. And he teaches in the Donamia gym for me. We have a, a small gym down there. So a lot of them cross over. I would like them more the MMA lads to do Jiu-Jitsu than they do. Um, they don't, you know, so that's, that's one thing I would like them to do a bit, a bit more. You would have a leaning towards the BJJ, obviously. Yeah, I, I, I always had a love for the grappling arts, I have a judo background, and, you know, and I, we have a wrestling class here as well, so I think it's a massive part of the game, and um, some people, you know, don't do as much as, as they should do. Yeah, no, of course. They're, yeah. they're looking with a big knockout all the time. Yeah, they're too punchy-punchy and kicky-kicky yeah, and yeah, not yeah. enough. Which is good as well, which you have to have. We have a very good coach here, John Donnelly and uh, Joseph Clifford. They do a lot of the striking with our lads, so we will be very good at the striking as well. But I think sometimes with MMA lads, hey, putting on that Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu gi, you know, they want to just do the no-gi sort of wrestling type of stuff. So, you know, for me, I think they need to do a little bit of it. And I, I actually had this chat with, with Roger, um, I'm not a fan of the gi. I always, I just, I don't know. To me, I, I see it as as gear. How how do you feel about I, I, that? I or? feel it's it's a little bit more uh, traditional. It's you know, I come from a judo background, so I like it. You know, I think it's great for kids. You know, I think it's great for fellas starting a sport with the coloured belts and all. That's hard to get. You know, when you you're wearing a pair of shorts and a t-shirt, there's no sort of martial arts look to it. If you want to say, you know what I mean. Um, so that's traditional martial arts. I think it's great. That they wear, they wear the gear. And plus as well, for us with the jiu-jitsu, ours is jiu-jitsu slash judo, so I think it's a big thing to, to wear it, you know what I mean? That's an interesting one now, the, yeah. the, what you mentioned about, the, especially for kids, because I have a yeah. two-year-old, yeah. two-year-old, three-year-old, and yeah. he might be like a little bit young, but, yeah. and I know myself, like I would have done karate when I was you know four for six yeah. months or whatever it was that I did, and that, that, that goal... To, you know, to get the next belt yeah. and that kind of the steps, the levels of achievement and the the kind of the hierarchy of of um, of accomplishments, I suppose. Just yeah. getting that across because I think these days were there's a lot of medals for participation. Yeah. Do you know that kind of way? Like we'll all, we'll all have a fun game and we won't keep score. Do you know that kind of way? Yeah, um, I know a few guys involved in football, and they tell me, you know, some clubs are like that, and that's their own their own business. I think um, it is great for kids to have some sort of achievement, but you have to learn how to win and lose. You know, you have to learn how to. I know some people call it win and learn, whatever you want to call it. You know, you got to go out there and know that. Okay, when I went out today, I got my ass kicked. I'm ten. You know, <laughs> it's not the end of the world. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's not yeah, the end of the world. Yeah. I learn from that. I move on. I do the next competition. Like for me, um, I started judo at six years of age, and you know I'm 45 now this year. And I think for six years I got my ass kicked. I think I started in, I think it was about maybe 78. I could be in four years, and I won my fourth medal in 82. You know, and then I got my ass kicked for another four or five years. So 
I was getting beaten on the judo scene as a kid, but it didn't put me off. I still kept going and going and going. And eventually when I got them, them medals, you know. Um, I think sometimes kids can get caught up in it. You know, I think if your kid is on the mat and they're enjoying themselves, if they're brilliant or they're rubbish, it doesn't matter. Once they're enjoying it, you know. Once they're having a good time. Once they're learning a bit of discipline. Learning a little bit of self-defence. The thing I love with the kids' class here, we have a very good kids' class. We have um, four coaches here that teach the kids' class and all their kids are on the class as well. So one of our senior black belts, Jason O'Connor, Paul McIntyre, Stephen Carr, um, Paddy Roach, they're all involved in the club. The kids are involved. But they teach on the, on the class and it's a great learning course for the kids here. It's, it's, it's probably one of the best kids' classes I've seen around and I'm around martial arts a long time. They sort of have a nice, nice little niche, you know what I mean? Um, the, kids, the kids are learning a bit of discipline, but they're also having a good time. And I, th- I think with the, that's what I'm saying with the gi on, I think when they have the suits on, the different colour belts and the little stripes on their belts, it's a little achievement for them and their parents. Yeah, absolutely. I'm probably wandering off there. And no, it's all. No, no. <laughs> Look, the, the nature of these conversations yeah, yeah. is that we will go yeah, off on yeah, God knows yeah. how many different rabbit holes. But yeah. I, I love that because there's... There's an element of that that the, the uniform is such and the, the grading and the, the yeah. levels of competency and the, the way that you can, as a child, you might have, I don't know, a couple of stripes in your belt. Yeah. But that means that when you go rolling with a kid who is less striped, you know that you're the more accomplished yeah. martial yeah. artist yeah. and you kind of not go yeah. easy on them, but you, you, there are levels and there yeah. are levels in life. There are people are, I, are I, better. I, I, I find the kids um, in the jiu-jitsu just get on with it and, you know, they love getting a few stripes and the belts. I find the adults think, you know, okay, I'm in the gym a year or two years. I must be getting me a blue belt now or I must be getting me a purple belt. It doesn't work like that, you know. You've got to be at, the, be at a certain level. You've got to be at the, you know, technically be good enough, you know, be fit enough to reach certain levels. And I think adults get more upset than kids do, which is crazy. Yeah, I've seen it myself. Yeah, and crazy. I've, I've been there. I've yeah. I've been the guy in the club who's you know, kind of you can see this stuff kind of with hindsight. I can remember being a younger version of me, kind of thinking to myself, you know, I'm I'm training here two years. Why 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 haven't yeah. I got a fight arranged for myself yet? Yeah. yeah. Without realizing that you know, you might be the length of time that you're doing it isn't relevant yeah. really. It's how much you've progressed. Well, that's it. Like, if an example there would be say um, we might have a guy here that could be here a year, but he's training five days a week. And we could have a guy that's here five years, but he's only pottering in every once or twice a week or twice a month. And he's wondering, oh, I didn't get me a blue belt yet, or I didn't get me MMA fight yet. You're not training, you know? Yeah. And we have a good little MMA team here and a good novice team. Um, a couple of years ago, there we got a world champion the IMF, the International Mixed Martial Arts Federation World Championships. And we have a good little team built up from that. And um, them lads come and ask me to fight. You know, I don't look for fights to them unless they're ready because... I think with MMA, it's not all about fighting, and we're trying to build that in the club here. And I'm off, and I'm at the Martial Arts Association in Ireland are bringing in a whole grading structure. So they're bringing in, it's going to be like a rash guard or, or a wristband. And it's, it, the whole idea of that is that you have some sort of stepping stone. Okay, I'm a white belt, or I'm a yellow belt, or I'm a green, whatever the, the colours are. And that's the level, you have some sort of a reward on the map. Because I know myself, a guy come in here, 35 year old guy. After watching Conor McGregor on the UFC, she says, I wouldn't mind doing that. But I don't want to get into the cage or, you know, I work in a job, I can't be getting hit in the head. But I'd love to train at that sport. It should be like any martial art where you have some sort of grading system. So that's happening. You know, we're introducing it here in Air Gym. And then um, I, I try not to pressurise lads to fight. So that's a good thing for them. They can, 
okay, I'm going to get my yellow belt or my yellow t-shirt, whatever you want to call it, or my orange band, and then I'll have the good the kids that are here or some of the older guys. We've actually an older guy in his 30s. He wants to fight. You know, that's great. But I wouldn't pressurise him. I wouldn't say to him, well, you're training four days a week, you're fighting next week. Yeah, of course. You know, I wait and then come to me, you know. And um, I, think it's, I think it's good, you know. No, but I think it's brilliant. And yeah. I think that the adults, myself included, a couple of years ago, the adults that don't get that, that don't, they have that mentality that you know I've been training here a couple of years. The reason they have that mentality is because they weren't in a kids' class, you know, twenty yeah. years previous. Yeah. Teach this to people when they're, yeah. you know, what what age do you take kids from? Actually, five. So we we have a good we have eighty kids in the class here. It's good, and five upwards, five till about twelve, and then we let the bigger teenagers onto the the teen classes then during the week, you know. Yeah, of course. Yeah. But it just, it's just it's a great kind of I suppose life lesson to learn. Yeah, I, I, it's, it's it's not like. Um, I see a lot of adults or guys that that join jiu-jitsu or MMA and, and it's sort of, I'm here now a year or two years, they get me a blue belt or they get me a brown belt. We just awarded a black belt to one of our guys. He's 16 years with us. Yeah, yeah. You know, other fellas got it in seven or eight years because they're different level or, or you know, some guys are working, travelling around the place or they're busy with kids. They can only manage one or two days a week, you know. Yeah, there's only so much you're going to learn yeah, if you can only commit yeah. to so much. And it's not a race. You know, it's a, you, you do martial arts, it's a lifestyle. We live it like, I do it all my life. Like, that's, you know, so it's not something that, okay, I've got two years to get a certain belt and then I'm gone from that and I'm gone to the fucking gymnastics or I'm gone to bleeding, juggling or something, you know. Yeah, you, yeah. It's a martial <laughs> art, you live that lifestyle, you know. No, big time, it, it, it kind of sickens me to hear it. Every so often I hear a black belt say that they only really started learning when they became a black belt. Yeah. And it's someone at my level that's kind of hard to hear. Yeah, but I, it's kind I, of cool think, at the same time. Yeah, I, I look back, say, um, um, say, my judo career, sort of, I was competing at a high level in that. And I look back and I say, I could have gone further and do more um, than I did. And I think that sort of the mentality is, is coming through your, your coaches and your training. So I try and say to my lads, I look at them and say, just because you're training in the gym in Finglas, it doesn't mean you're any worse off than some guy living in California training. You know, we're as good as them or better than them, you know. So we try and drive that into guys, you know what I mean? It doesn't matter where you're from or who you are. I think the Irish guys proved that in the UFC, you know. You get someone from Ireland, you have a hard fight, you know what I mean? And I think boxers have, have shown us that. So I try to implement that in, into, the, into our game here. Because um, I think for me, when I was younger... You could be drawn against the fellow from Russia. Oh, jeez, he's from Russia. Jeez, I'm fucked here. You know, he's bleeding a superstar. You know, they're great at judo. You know what I mean? But we don't have that. You know, so it's great. So if we can teach up the kids all the way up, we're flying. Yeah, no, it's such a life lesson yeah. to, to hear. And I just I said it to you before we started recording. And again, not to blow smoke up your hole, but you would be an inspirational character to me because, and as I said to you just there a few minutes ago, like who the who the fuck do you think you yeah. are? Like, you know. Yeah. Setting up this club and training yeah. fighters to fight at the yeah. at the highest of levels and to to fight professionally and to, to do this for for a living yeah. like like where do you where do you get off? Do you, do you yeah. like I know? Yeah, well, I I, I, I do ask myself that and I just sort of say sometimes I was in the army and I I absolutely loved the army and and I try not to say I have regrets but if anything that's one thing I, I loved it and I left it and, and I probably left it for the right reasons but that's. I really liked the army and I liked the military training and I liked the whole lifestyle and I'm still very good friends with guys I was in the army with 20 years ago and um, sometimes I look back and say Jesus like I left a good job with a pension to go out and teach martial arts that you know in Ireland people don't look at that as being serious yet you go to anywhere around the world you know the fellas doing it all the lives full time gyms and, and so I look back and say 
did I make that blatant right decision? Who am I to make that? You know, and then I look and say, well, hang on a minute. I've travelled the world. I've guys fighting everywhere. I've world champions in the gym. I've guys in the UFC. I've 80 kids on the Matt Henry kids class, you know. You know, fuck them. I, can do it. I, think I, did it. I think I made the right decision. I, th- I think I can do these things, you know what I mean? I think it's an Irish mentality, you know, as you say. You know, Who the fuck's that fella think he can just do it? Open the gym and, you know. And then I look and say... Fuck them like you know. no, fuck them yeah. again. But like, but you're right though. Like the yeah. the gall or the audacity yeah. or the neck yeah. on you to do it and yeah. fucking fair play yeah. to you. You know. Yeah, I I think I think when you're a bit younger, you don't really think about it. Now I'm 45 and I'm sort of saying, "Jeez, I would have been retired with a pension in the army and I could have been still training." And then I say, and then I wouldn't have travelled in the world and I wouldn't have having Neil Seary and Paul Redmond in the UFC and I wouldn't have having Matthew Sheen a world champion and I wouldn't have having you know 12 Jiu-Jitsu black belts in my gym and. You know, so I say now, fuck it. Like I'm glad I made it. I'm glad I made that choice. Yeah, no, you and yeah. me both. Yeah. <laughs> um, because in no small part, like, the likes of yourself and, and others have inspired me to even do to do yeah. this. Because again, like who am I? I don't have a background in journalism or a degree yeah. in podcasting or anything. Yeah. That. I just fuck it, just do yeah. it. And like, what's, the, what's the worst that can happen? I know. But uh, you mentioned there your your story in the army. So can we rewind to yeah. where all this kind of started? I mean, yeah. So I, I, I was I was in the army and at the time I was trying to qualify for the Sydney Olympics in the judo and I was sort of training not to my potential I could say I was still living in Ireland I think at that at that, at that time in Ireland you really got to go abroad to be make that next level if you want to say but I wasn't but I had a coach called Norma Caprani and um, who I still train with now and he'd be a guy that'd have you running mountains and he'd have you swimming in the sea and all this type of stuff. And he used to say to me, you should teach martial arts. You know, you should open up a club and you should go full-time doing it. You're good at it. You, you know, that's what you do. You're running clubs around the place. I was running a club in Colester and I was helping my judo coach race stairs and Port Marnock run classes and stuff. And he said, you should go for it. And then I said, I'll tell you what, I'll give it a go. So I took a year out of the army years leave of absence and I never went back right and sorry what age were you when all this was happening so I would have been in me would have been that would have been 2000 so 18 years ago is it? what's it yeah so I would have been I'm 45 this year so you do the sums about 28 <laughs> would I you're out that, about that age yeah yeah I suppose about yeah. that age yeah, yeah. and, 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 and I, I think at the time like I, I, I had a, like, a few years of struggling like behind on your mortgage and shit like that you know when you go to the bank and they say what do you do I teach martial arts they look at you you know that's not a real job it is a real job yeah yeah <laughs> yeah yeah um so you were into the the judo but yeah. was mma a thing in ireland at the time no so or? at the end of my sort of the last two years of my judo sort of 98 to 2000 maybe 97 um there was small bits of mma in ireland small bits i hooked up with well, one of the guys actually out of this gym, uh, Peter Donnelly, uh, he was sort of one of the first ever guys to do MMA in Ireland. Nobody would even know him or know that. It's John Donnelly's father. But he brought me and John Cavanagh together. Um, I was sort of, John was doing a little bit of grappling at the time and he had a background in the striking and he wanted to do a bit of groundwork and he came and met me and we hooked up a good friendship. And, and out of that little bunch there, there was sort of uh, Dave Jones, Dave Roach, myself. There was a very young John Donnelly. This is all pre-2000. Um, uh, there was Peter Levy from the North. There was a few guys that sort of, you know, if you want to look at them now, the, the nucleus of MMA now, if you want to say, but uh, that sort of came together and we sort of did it like not knowing what we were doing really. You know, Yeah, it was madness. I think we used to watch videos. I remember in Colester, 
John used to come over to me with a few lads and we used to we'd go running run the park and have a game of football in the park and then we'd come in and we'd be watching some sort of video or some MMA event and we'd kick the living daylights out of each other in the gym <laughs> or someone put boxing gloves on and someone's job had a judo suit, you're going to throw him, he's going to try and punch you and it was mayhem, three and four hour <laughs> sessions. But you know something, it was great, you know, it was great. And then things have, you look back and you say, fucking hell, that was mad what we done then, you know what I mean? But it was very fun. And that was all pre-2000, you know, before I started retiring from the judo. I was still trying to compete at that and train at the same time. It was hard, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It was hard. Um, so you decided to open up your own your own gym. Was that, was that yeah, Team so, Rhino? Or? No, so that was, it was mad. I, I had a gym, I think mine was called Horizon Martial Arts. I think John's was called Full Circle, some shit, mad shit like that. And I'd done that for on and off for a couple of years. Um, it would have been more of a judo wrestling type of stuff. We'd done this thing called Kourash. It's like, uh, it's from Uzbekistan, Kazakhstan area. It's like a wrestling, from the belt up, like Greco with, with, with suits on. I'd done that for a while as well. And we mixed that in with the, the classes. And then it wasn't until 2005 that I opened a full-time facility, if you, want, if you want to say, you know. Before that, was sort of two days in the sports hall or... I rented at Cluster Hall and did a bit in Port Marina Judo Club. So 2005 was the first real full-time gym we had. And you've been out of the army now for a couple of years. I was out of the army for five years at that stage. I was doing a bit of taxiing at the same time. And I was trying to teach classes and that was on and off. And then I was trying to compete myself for the MMA. Um, but I hadn't got to say, for me, for the MMA, I, I hadn't got to say, and Lufer, as you can say, the judo, you want to know, as, as, a, as an athlete. Um, I always remember John saying to me, you got to be either one of coach or an athlete. You can't do both. You know, you can't teach a couple of classes and train yourself, you know. So 2005, I had a couple of MMA fights. I got my ass kicked. I won a few. Got my ass kicked in another few. Because I wasn't really training the way I should be, the way my lads train, you know, because you're coaching, you're running the class, you know. It's not the same. So 2005 to 2007, we were building the gym, and in 2007, we went full-on Team Rhino. Right, and just to, to kind of spin back yeah. a little... Presumably you would have done, or maybe you didn't, I wouldn't have the first clue about uh, army life. Yeah. Um, is there unarmed combat training? Yeah, very, very little. You do a bit in recruit training, and that was about it, you know. Um, but we had a judo team in the army, so we would compete. I went and done, in 99, I went to the military Olympics in Croatia. It was brilliant. Cool. It was, uh, yeah, it was unbelievable. It was in uh, Zagreb big stadium, and you walked in like the Olympic Games, and jets flying over, and big, you know, it was very, very good. All it was sports, I think there was 25,000 athletes there. Some mental stuff like that it was mental, every sport. That was a great, we were there for nearly a month. That was a great experience. So we would do a lot of judo, army versus guard stuff. We would go to Temple Moor and they would come to the army barracks and we'd do, you know, fight each other and stuff like that. And um, Then I would go over the odd Wednesday to the park to when the, the guards train in, in the Phoenix Park and do it with judo with them as well, you know? Yeah, yeah. So it was more of that than, than self-defence, as you could say. You might do self-defense if you're on an NCO's course or you're on a, a recruit training course. That was about it. You do a small bit of it. Yeah, but fitness then would have been a massive Yeah, fitness. Yeah, it. yeah, yeah. Fitness. I ran every day and would have been in the gym every day. Um, you know, that would have been part and parcel of your life. So every morning I would have gone in and running every morning. Circuits at lunch hour if you weren't on any type of duties whatever. And then I'd be in the flex gym in the evening time and my own judo club down in Port Marnock, you know. Yeah, so... Team Rhino started out here where we are? Or? No, Team Rhino started down the road here in um, Donami. So what happened was we opened full-time in, in, on this Jamestown Road in 2005 in the industrial estate two doors down. 
and we were involved with SBG at the time. Um, I was good friends with John, and John said, "Look, you know, you need to open a gym on the north side." And I said, "Okay, right, but you know what? We, I'm not going to call it Horizon Martial Arts. We we'll just go SBG North Side." So we done that um, for a couple of years. Then I opened a big gym in Baldoyle. Um, I opened it just before that man, you know, the boom of everything. I think I was paying mad rent and we'd two floors in the gym. And it, was, it, was be, it was before his time. I think it was paying nearly four grand a month in rent. Mental stuff. Yeah, yeah, crazy stuff. Which I lost everything. You have your ups and downs as a, as a, as a, as a business owner, you know, yourself. So I think then I decided John was going one way, I was going another. We were, you know, I was linked up with a guy in, in San Diego, Rodrigo Madeira's and... So we decided, look, let's just do Team Rhino, you know, standing around two feet again. Because we did, people forget that. People think that we were always just SPG, and we weren't. We were two separate gyms that trained together. You know, I was a rise, and he was full circle. And then we went down the SPG route. They've done very well. John is mega global superstar now in MMA. You know, we're still the, the, the poor little Northside cousins, <laughs> you know. But so we, we just done our own thing then, and we, we very much... The same guys in 2005 are here, the same guys coaching, you know what I mean? I have a very good friend, Stephen O'Toole, he does the morning classes here. He's been with me since, through thick and thin, you know. Um, one of the other coaches here, Robbie uh, Brennan, he's with me since we were at the pre-2000s. Right. New classes, you know, and he does the judo here. He's a judo friend of mine. So, we, we, yeah, we've had a good journey. Yeah, it's always a good sign when you see, even like the staff in any company, if the lads yeah. have been there for like 10, 15, 20 yeah. years, you know there's, yeah. there's something special about yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Um, you and John kind of started out and were training together, set up your own respective clubs together. Yeah. Presumably then your athletes started competing against each other. Was, yeah. that, was that weird or...? No, uh, no, um, not really. Like, they wouldn't, a lot of the amateurs clashed together. We never really had any, any pros really fighting each other. You know, we had one or two. Um, with a great, it was a great scrap there with John Donnelly and Philip Mopeda. Probably one of the best MMA fights ever. You know, but no, we would still be very good friends, and and, and uh, even as you say that um, for Neil's series fight for the war, his world title fight in Cage Warriors, so we went and trained over with John SBG. You know, of course. So we mixed. So that door was always open to us. You know, but no, I think I think we went two different routes. You know what I mean? But uh, we'd no problem competing against each other in competition. It's only competition. It's not life or death, is it? You know. Yeah, you see that. You see, you say that, but I think a lot of people listening who aren't in the, the kind of martial art loop mightn't really get that at all. No, I can understand if it's two professionals where they're making a living and there's a lot on the line or it's a 20 grand fight. But listen, it's in Ireland. Most fights are amateur. You know, you win one one week and three weeks later on and you win the next one. So now that doesn't bother me because I come from that judo background where it's competition. So it's not a fight. So for me, you go to a competition one weekend, oh, I got a silver medal. We next weekend I got my ass kicked three months later I won a gold medal you know so I, I, I don't try and get caught up in that win or lose type of thing you know what I mean I understand for the professionals a little bit different but the amateurs it's not it's not to be an end all you know you learn from it you move on yeah no and that's something that I've only kind yeah. of really recently noticed myself I've actually taken a, a leaf out of Donald Trump's book believe it or not yeah one thing I've noticed him do bad is, haircuts yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, one thing I've noticed him do is He'll say something about whatever it is, you know, the blacks or the Muslims or building a wall or 
and it's every day he 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 does or says something, and the media can't hone in on something. But he he's not looking at any of that. He's just doing his own thing. He's making his yeah, mistakes, and he's going and going. And he's going. Now, don't get me wrong; I'm no fan of his. Yeah. But there's there's something to that, you know. Lose this weekend and win next weekend, and lose and lose yeah. and win win and get on. Yeah, with I, the I think it, I think he goes through stages of like especially if you're a coach and and you're also running a business. So you get here where okay, you're very successful and things are good, and you have lads competing and it doesn't bother you too much. But then when things are bad and you're probably having a bad run of fights and you're having a bad run of the gym, then you might get a little bit more upset and say, oh, fuck this, you know what I mean? But I think you've you got to try and zone all that out, you know what I mean? And, and, and forget about the short little goals. And I try and do it that this is my lifestyle. I'm in the martial arts world. Everything I do is martial arts. You know, I'm on the mat. One week, I'm, like, we have a wrestling fella coming here towards night from America to wrestle. We have wrestling. We have jiu-jitsu on this morning. You know, I, I, next week, I'm, in, I'm teaching a seminar somewhere, doing something else, you know. So you have to live it. Don't get caught up on that. Oh, fuck my bleeding fire. I got beaten Saturday night. Jeez, what am I going to do? That's the end of the world. No, it's not. Get back trying on Monday. You know, we'll win the next one. You know what I mean? Yeah, look, look forward. Yeah, basically. yeah, yeah. You know, so... Um. One interesting thing you said there as well about the, the professionally the fighters don't really clash yeah. in Ireland because like it's a it's a small island. Yeah, uh, professional mixed yeah. martial arts is a relatively niche yeah. thing yeah. in a tiny country. Yeah. There's a cool dynamic there. It makes you kind of think globally from more or less the start because presu- because another thing is that there's weight classes. So we have a, we have yeah. a tiny population. Yeah. it's a niche sport. Yeah. And there's weight classes, and there's records. So if you're making your debut, you're not going to be fighting someone who's yeah. you know ten and nine. Yeah. So you kind of have to start thinking globally, pretty soon. Yeah. Have you found that, or have you? Yeah, well, a, a lot, lot of weird guys. It's, it's probably changed a bit now. A lot of weird guys are are all the professionals, say Neil Seary, Reds are, John Donnelly, lads like that. They've all sort of gone through the UK scene. You know, they've done all the shows in the UK. Cage Warriors, Barmix, all the smaller ones then, the striking some mitts and the on top and the, you know, there's loads of smaller, so they would have served at the time as pros and then they build up their, their sort of, their, their, their few fights and then they get the bigger fights and Cage Warriors and stuff. So you weren't really on the Irish scene, if you know what I mean, there wasn't that much of a professional Irish scene. So, you know, so, so you did have to look outside Ireland for fights, yeah. But it's cool though, because you kind of start thinking globally yeah, I think you so. You kind of yeah. have to from you the have start, to, yeah, yeah. which is, I think, something that a lot of us don't really do. You know, kind yeah, of way we yeah. not only do we we don't even think nationally, never yeah. mind globally. Yeah. But speaking of the different shows that the guys would have competed on, Battlezone is or was or your yeah, show. Yeah, Battlezone's my show. Um, I wouldn't say I, I, we haven't done one this year. Uh, not that I've no interest. I just find I'm too busy with the gym and jujitsu and lads fighting and other stuff and trying to get lads on, assigned for shows and we're, we're trying to get three guys on the next band that's coming to Dublin and Reds are probably going to be fighting the KSW in the summer and stuff so you're busy and then you're saying okay I need to take out two months here to run a show and I just haven't got that interest at the moment yeah you know I get it back this year you know I get it back but there's plenty of other shows around you know and what was the motivation for starting them? Was it because there wasn't any, or yeah? Well, myself and John, um, we ran the first sort of shows in Ireland, you know, proper shows in Ireland where they were ca- a ring of truth in the stadium, the boxing ring, and then cage of truth when we I bought a cage, cage of truth that we ran for a while. Then cage rage was huge in the UK, and myself and John went and spoke to the lads. We brought it to Ireland. It was a great cage, one of the best ever events. And um, we had a Bushido Heroes thing here in Dublin, fucking years ago. I was on it with shit. Well, we half of us weren't even trying and rules were made up today it was a bad event 
and that sort of gave MMA a kick in the teeth a little bit. And then Cage Rage came, and I think we had 14 fights on the card. It was unbelievable. I think we had fucking nine knockouts or something. It was in the old point. That was brilliant. And then um, we'd done one of them in the stadium, and then we just stopped doing shows for a while. Other shows started getting involved, and I just started running the battle zones again because there's a lot of young guys in the gym looking for fights. So it was really for my own ass to get some fights, you know? Yeah, of course. So that's where the battle zone came about, and that was 2010. I think we done that. The first one at the Trinity Sports Centre, the snow in 2010. And I think the place was bleeding, freezing. The roads are full of snow and we had a full house. It was great. Savage. It was great. That kind of sickens me a bit as well because yeah. I was supposed to fight in the, was it the first man of war down in Waterford? Yeah. The same year. And I remember my sister texted me that morning. I was making my debut and you know yourself and you've yeah. been training for a year or two and you know, yeah. It's a, it's a huge big deal, at least it was yeah. to me at the time. And my sister texted me that morning to say, eh, Fran, I don't know if this thing is going to go ahead this evening, because I'd sold a load of tickets to me yeah. mates and made a big deal out of it and all the rest of it. And I remember saying to her, listen, short of a uh, short of some sort of fucking disaster or something, it's going ahead. And of course, there was five foot of snow outside the door of the hotel down no there at the time. Like, but look, it's one of those things. But the shows, Man of War, Your Own, and, and the different ones that have kind of come and gone. Yeah, and Rush, Rush used to do on the Rumble, and Rush was a great show as well. They've also sort of died out a little bit, you know. Um, I think there's so many restrictions now on the fighters, it's hard to run a show, you know. Um, I think we've gone over the top on, on the medical end of it, you know. Um, for, for, for you to fight now as an amateur, you need to have uh, blood tests and medical, a brain scan, and then if you... If your brain scan might need to be reviewed by a doctor, get reviewed. You need to join Safe MMA, and it just puts fucking lads off, you know. Brain scans are brilliant. They are, all my lads in the gym have them. They'll all get them. But I think it's hard to implement it with everybody, you know. They're expensive, Especially, are they? Yeah, but they're 150 quid. But it's the, you don't need it in any other sport. So it's putting, you know, you can do a K1 fight without a brain scan. But yeah, you can't do an MMA fight without one, you know. Yeah, you're probably so, more likely to get knocked out in K1 yeah, than you are in MMA. You know, so it's putting lads off. And what it's doing now at the moment, I find, is it's driving guys up the north and to the UK where there's no scans, you know. So we, we, I actually, when I run Battle Zone, we have a, a guy called Glenn Ellis from Cold Blue, and they do a great job medical-wise. We set up a little ER unit in the venue, and we have a couple of good doctors there. They're all trained. They do all the UFCs and the Bahamas and the Cage Warriors. So they're, they're MMA-trained doctors, as you could say. So we have a great setup there. But we could have 20 fighters at the start, you know, on the card, and a week out, we might end up with five because half of them didn't get the brain scans done, hadn't got the money to get it done, hadn't got the time to go and get it done, or just didn't bother their ass to get it done, you know? Where any other martial art or any other combat sport don't don't have them. It's such fucking hard work, you know? Yeah, and pairing up fighters and stopping people yeah. from pulling out last minute yeah. is hard enough without yeah. all that yeah. on top of yeah. it. Yeah. Like, Jesus, like, my record is one and one, but it should have been, it should have totaled about seven or eight yeah. between lads pulling out yeah. and, like, the venue. And, and that doesn't put me over on the show as well. I just, I don't want the hassle of all that shit, you know? Yeah, because it's not exactly a massive well, money spinner either. No, and then um, what's happening in MMA events now, even there's an MMA event on the weekend there, Cage Legacy, I think there's, like, maybe five MMA fights and five K1 grappling fights. So the MMA show is gone, you know what I mean? If it's not for, if it's not Bama Cage Warriors or the UFC or Bellator or case of the big ones where it's just completely MMA, it's you know you don't see it, you know what I mean? Yeah, and that kind of takes running those shows out of reach of people. Do you know yeah. the kind of way? Like it, yeah. at least when I was when I was at it, you'd look at Rush and Battlezone, the, the couple yeah. of ones that were doing the rounds at the time, and you, they were there were something that you could aspire to. There was something that you could. Yeah. I, I could see myself. Yeah. 
actually fighting in one of these things because yeah. I would have went to a few before I ever fought in one. Yeah. And you're you're looking around and you're like, yeah, Jesus, this is this is within reach. I could I could yeah. kind of do this. But if you've only got like Bama and the UFC, it just it kind of it's that little bit more at a reach. Well, I, I think I think that's great, and that's that's why I think they they should be for the elite fighters. You should have five or six fights before you go on to them shows. But we just don't have the MMA shows in Dublin and Ireland at the moment to for the stepping stone for you know for the for the pro fighters that they have to go directly to some of them bigger shows. You know. And is there a lull in the you know well, lads competing? Or? Yeah, well, let, let, let's have a look. And uh, the only really show going at the moment is the Cage Legacy and that CRC, which are half K one grappling MMA so like when was the last Man of War when was the last that's the only show yeah when was the last Rumbling Rush Man of War Battlezone uh, Tony uh, the Roshan Roshan they're all sort of gone there's plenty of shows up the north we had uh, four lads on Akuma last week two weeks ago we took two belts and two wins from uh, a show up the north they had 22 fights in the card because there's no brain scans needed it's just a basic medical and blood test so the fighters will have that. You get it done every six months, no problem. Just guys won't pay for that bloody brain scan. Listen, the brain scan is great. I'm not saying it's not great. Every fighter in Team Rhino has it. But just because my lads have it, it doesn't mean I should make everyone else have it, you know? Yeah, well, look, yeah, absolutely. No, it makes yeah. perfect sense. But is that, a, is that an Irish thing? Do we have kind of bureaucracy kind of no, built it's, into it's, us? No, the, pr- the problem is, I think, after that, um, I, that death, in, in, yes. you know, we probably went a little bit over the top on, on pr- protection. You know, like, like say we had, we had lads at the last amateur world championships, and there could be two hundred and fifty fighters at that, that games, and there were seven Irish guys. They're the only guys with brain scans. No one else had them done. You know, yeah. so the world, the world level, the world body doesn't bring it, doesn't do it. You don't need it in the UK. You don't need it in Northern Ireland. You only need it in 26 counties, you know what I mean? And do you need it? I mean, is it law? Yeah, it's, I mean, it, is well, it's not law, it's or? just I think that uh, the certain powers to be will, 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 will try and cancel the venue if you don't have it done, you know? Right. But that's another day's talk. <laughs> we won't get into that no. here. No. <laughs> but listen, getting away from that then and yeah. back to the, the club, so you started it, was it, or it was, became officially Team Rhino? What year yeah, was about that 2007, when? I'd say. Okay, height of the boom. Yeah. And then... Uh, when the arse fell out of everything and whatever it was two years later how did that affect you or did it? Um, it didn't affect us on the marshlands. we had sort of a commercial gym in there place as well and the likes of these Ben Duns and the Jackie Skellies these were all opening up so that killed us so we had a we had a venue with the best of equipment in it I was to blame as well I was never sort of business trained I left school and went to the army and you know I was a bad businessman as well not knowing how to, how to run a business you know, you're on the mats teaching, teaching. You know, things have changed since then. So I lost the. I fell, fell away from me. Then we went to Kilbarrick. We had a nice gym in Kilbarrick, uh, Dublin Toy Box, and took it over. There, there now. We were back in Baldoyle for a while until the building was sold, and we came back to Finglas where we started. You know, but we have a little gym in Donnemead, this main gym here, and then we have about eight little affiliates around the country. So it's. Okay. Doing all right, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's okay, yeah. No happy days. Yeah. Um, when you said that, like Ben Duns and Jackie Skelly's, they yeah. kind of yeah. So say for your commercial gym, so we would have having half the martial arts gym. We would have a gym like this, say, and the downstairs would have been weights and conditioning, and we spent the four. Okay, so half your half your customers, half our customer were, membership, were just gym goers. Were just words. gym goers, yeah. yes, yes. And okay. we were say charging like fifteen quid a week or something like that. 
And then all of a sudden the gym opens and it's the top of the range, the best facility, swimming pools and yeah, it's two fifty for it's two fifty for the year, you know? Yeah, yeah. All them, and I can't blame guys, all them guys moved. You know, of course you get your couple of hardcore guys to stay with you. But that um people lose jobs then, mortgages going through the roof, all them things happened when we had that big fancy gym. Yeah. So when we went to the smaller venue, with just a mat area, we still had the same bodies, you know, what was good. they sort of stuck with us, you know what I mean? Yeah, the core group yeah, of people, yeah, like yeah, yeah, the essence of the club, yeah, which is yeah. what it's all about, yeah. really. Um, so, how many fighters would you have had, or did you have? Did you like? Did you start with fighters, or were you no, were the lads competing? Or no, so we started as a small group of lads that coached and competed. So, like, it was brilliant. So, for me, when we started doing the MMA events in Ireland, it was sort of I think ninety eight, ninety nine, two thousand was the main sort of sort of events. Um, we used to go up to the north, a fella called Tom Lamont. Um, and a fella called Paddy Mooney, they ran the Cage Warriors, Cage Wars shows. But before that, they used to run these events on mats. It was brilliant. So you go up on the day, and you get on the weighing scales, and you say, okay, you're around this way, or stand over there. You three look the same size. Okay, rules made up in the day. You can strike standing, there's no striking on the ground. Or you can wear your judo, so you can wear your wrestling boots. And you had a fight, do you feel any, how do you feel at the ground? Do you want to do another one? You do two or three fights in a day. It was brilliant. And there was guys from uh, the north, a couple of guys from Galway and Dublin. Sort of. That was the, sort of the, the base of it. And it was great for a laugh. And we did a few of them. Then Cage Wars starts, started putting on shows in the Europa Hotel. And it was in a boxing ring. And I used to go up and put my judo suit on and get in do an MMA fight with my judo suit. And I wouldn't no, yeah, and I, had to be in, I wouldn't even be sparring anyone. I'd be training and doing my own bits and pieces. And you win a few fights and spit a crack. But very much amateur is she. But I suppose the double, for Ireland at the time, it was the, the main event, you know. And then for me then, um, I was running the little gym in Finglas. I was still doing a bit of training in John's. And John said to me, there's a fight in Cage Warriors. It's for a European title. And it's a heavyweight fight against this guy, Tengis. I said, ah, fuck, I'll jump in. Two weeks notice or something like that. <laughs> I got my ass kicked. Because I wasn't sparring with heavyweights. I was sparring and teaching with my own students. I remember going out, and the guy probably would have been 18, 19 stone, um, world Greco wrestling Roman champ, wrestling champion, and had uh, he was the champion in Cage Warriors, and I got battered in the fourth round, you know. Yeah. And I look back and say I, I could have done be- better, but you know I wasn't training. I wasn't training the same level I would have been was competing in judo. I was a coach now, you yes. know. And that was then I looked and sort of said, I'm oh, well, give it another fucking go here. And then we had that poxy Bushido thing in Dublin, and I jumped in there. I pulled out. Uh, I was dying sick. I think I had fucking bronchitis. And the day of the show, the friend of mine was running. He said, Andy, listen, rather than losing loads of fights, will you do what? I said, Roy. So I said to John, I've one round in me. I'll go out here and see in the last fucking round, you know? Yeah. I got submitted. I couldn't even breathe. <laughs> I was bollocks. <laughs> that guy, Rob Bruton, a really lovely guy. He was actually a good guy, he was. He went on to the USC then, you know? Class. So I made a decision then. Actually, John said to me, look, it's one or the other. Coach or compete. And I wasn't training enough. Or I wasn't good enough. I think, and not that I wouldn't say I wasn't good enough, I was early 30s then, I was finished that sort of, you know yeah, when you're, when you're at, uh, competing at a high level as an athlete, it's hard to go up, come down and go back up to that next level, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. So I just said, look, hang the gloves up, I put all my time and effort into, into coaching, which I think was the right decision. Yeah, but you, the coaching, there's a, there's a, a career in that at least, yeah. a lot more so than, than fighting, I think. Yeah, I think for me, yeah, because we were sort of all over the place. Like, like The next batch that came after us, the... 
Neil Series, Chris Fields, Cottle Penderts, you know, Owen Roddy, um, all that type of lads. They were they were training like professional fighters and they were living that professional fighter life. We weren't, you know, we were I think I was taxiing to to, to weekends and after the class to try and get a wage because there wasn't really money in the gym at the time. And then I was probably training two nights a week and you were going out to have a fight, you know what I mean? Yeah, and you'd be going for, going for your points at the weekend yeah, and mental, all the rest mental, of it. Like, yeah, mental, yeah, so, you know. So, yeah, I think coaching was the, was the right thing for me. Now, I still jump into the jiu-jitsu tournaments. I, I do them. I'll do a few weeks training and I'll jump in, but that's not being in all of You know, we're only in the Masters division. You know, it's not... It doesn't fuck with me now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Those to some people. Some people get caught up in it, you know. Oh, some people take yeah, it seriously. Yeah. You know, each to their own, yeah, I suppose. Yeah, But... You said something there kind of find interesting. Like so, you, you and that group of lads were at the kind of at the start. Then there was the you know the, the Cahill Pendrids and the, the other guys yeah. that you mentioned. I think I think for think that 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 time that UFC in Dublin. Um, I think we had a lull after us. There was a couple of stragglers. I think uh, the likes of Owen Roddy, he never got to the UFC. He, he should have gotten there. You know, he just missed out that little. There was a few lads his group that missed. I would say. There was us original group around that ninety eight to two thousand and five, sort to say, yeah. messing about, and then I think it was the first USA in Dublin two thousand and eight, was it? Um, God, I'm not even sure. But there yeah, thereabouts. And, and uh, Tom Egan was on that, and then it was the next bunch of guys that came along. Then that, you know, what was the first UFC here? The second one, I could say. What was the one? That was fourteen. Was it around that two thousand? I think that bunch of guys were all. They had been for four years on that Cage Warriors scene. I think when Cage Warriors came to Ireland. It made a big difference because now Cattle Panda, Chris Fields, Neil Seary, Ashleen Daly, all those people, Paddy Hoolan, all those people, Paul Redmond, all them were getting an international stage with international opponents. Yes. They were the, the cream of the crop of Ireland that didn't have to fight each other, that they were, there was guys being brought in all over the world, you know. And then UFC came, all them guys got signed up, you know, all had that little, and had, had a great had a great career to UFC. I think the only one got hard done by there was Redzar. Redzar took a fight on two weeks notice and had to drop 20-something kilos. 20? But yeah, he didn't, yeah, he was, he had a fight at 66, he was 82 or something at the time, or a bit more than I think, and uh, he dropped a lot of weight. M- mad at the time, but when UFC come calling, you don't say no, and, I think if we look back and now we should have said no and hanging on, but he went out only when he got beaten. And then he had his second fight then in, in Glasgow against uh, one of the, the Scottish guys who trained in the American top team. And Reza was in great form for that fight, just got clipped. But he didn't get a look in. I think he got hard done boy with him. I think the rest of them all had a great innings in the USA, made a few quid and sort of done Ireland proud, you know what I mean? Yeah. I think for the best event ever in Ireland was that first UFC, in, uh, sorry, the second UFC when... Uh, Connor fought the Brazilian guy and, and Neil Seary fought Phil Harris and everyone had a great night. That, the the yeah, atmosphere, that, the a, atmosphere yeah. of that night was unbelievable. Yeah, I never, it really was. I, like, we've been in Vegas for fights. We've been all over the world. We're in Sweden for that tour to thousand seater one, you know. Neil Seary and Chris Bale fight was unbelievable. But that Dublin event, as a coach and as an Irish MMA sort of founder sort of, founder, you know, yeah, yeah, at the start, for me, that was sort of, fucking hell, look what we've done here, you know, yeah. look at Irish MMA, and all the Irish guys were winning, which was great, you know what I mean, they won, they weren't, they didn't get their asses kicked, you know what I mean, so it was great. Yeah, no, class, yeah, and yeah. A, re- a real kind of, 
crescendo for what it was. It was mental, it was a mental night, it was brilliant. Yeah, from yeah. And which essentially started with you and a couple of lads, yeah. you know, fanning around, yeah. you know, having yeah. the crack bits. And it has changed since then, like the, whole, the whole Connor era came in then, and you know, he's done unbelievable stuff, you know, like to be probably the best athlete in the world and the most recognised is unbelievable. But what I find now is, is that. Um, so many athletes now have two professional fights and they're saying they're calling the UFC or they're calling they're going around thinking they're playing Conor McGregor or Neil Seary or one of these professionals where lads serve their time like people think people look at look at, I always have to say it, people look at Conor and say oh he, look he only had this many fights in the UFC no Conor had <laughs> fucking had a load of fights before that. Like I, I, I watched I, the big the big point for me with him was it wasn't the titles he won it was when he went to Jordan to fight and he was meant to fight at 66 kilos, and his opponent pulled out, and he moved up to 70, and fought a Scandinavian guy, and thumped the living daylights out of him, you know, and said, this guy wants it, you know what I mean? Yeah. So he'd done the hard work. Neil Seary was going to retire. He got beaten in the Ukraine, going to retire, got him back out, got the world title in Cage Warriors, then got the call to the USC. Them guys served their time. They, they'd done all the small shows around Europe, they got onto the big st- st- stage then, where guys now have one or two fights and think they're fucking superstars. Yeah. You know, they haven't got that little bit, and I think I think it's life, isn't it now? It's it's, it's, uh, it's people just expect stuff now, you know what I mean? They just, they don't, they don't do that hard work, that sort of hard work, you know yourself, you run a business or you do a job, you don't go in and, and open up a big bleeding company without doing all the groundwork or serving your time, you know what I mean? Oh, no, and I find that, in, or not just in Irish life, but in Irish life, people is you know it's expected. I want a house and I want a car, and I want an iPhone and I want three holidays a year. Oh, well, I don't want to work for it. Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> there's, know? A, there's a sense of entitlement out yeah. there. I think yeah. something is kind of almost owed to you. And that's yeah. a, a big motivation for me and, and this yeah. kind of platform that I've yeah. created for myself is to, is to push back. I do that. something every month myself to keep me. In, in my mind and that um, I'd had times where I had a couple of bad years in the gym and you're suffering on your mortgage and you're suffering on your bills so every month when I pay my mortgage and I pay me 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 rent in the gym me, me me lease here I'm fucking delighted you know that's sort of an achievement yeah that's the bills paid I don't owe anyone anything I'm on my own two feet and after this is a bonus you know and, and that's something I try and do, with me, do, do myself all the time you know Pay me mortgage, pay me rent in the gym, pay your way. Yeah. Okay, now that's an achievement. I'm happy now. My month. Whatever happens the rest of the month, I don't give two shits. I don't owe anyone that, you know? And I think people people don't live like that. People think, you know, oh, shit, a mortgage, I won't pay it this month, or I owe that money in the car, I won't pay it, or, you know, it's mental. They carry that anxiety around with them, though. Yeah. Do you know that kind of yeah. way? Like they, yeah. they're, they think that they're kind of cheating themselves, they think that they're getting away with it, but they're yeah. not. That, that follows them yeah. to bed at I think night. hard work, hard work, you have to be, and my parents, like, I, I had a great childhood, I had a privileged childhood, I never never wanted for anything, I, can't, I haven't got one of those hard luck stories, you know, nothing like that, but what my man and dad did was, like, they did help us, you know, my dad brought me to the judo classes, and brought me, when my man used to get up at six in the morning, and bring me to the train in the morning time, you had that, but the reward at the end of it, you know what I mean, okay, I won that all Ireland, that, you know, 15, I got me all early medal. Yeah, but I was up, my man had me up in the mornings working hard for that medal. I just didn't turn up and get it, you know? And I think that needs to be driven into the, the you know, I have two young kids of a 20-year-old and a 12-year-old, and my 20-year-old needs that kick in the air sometimes because they have that sort of, I should get out of my dad, or my dad bring me to work, or my dad collect me, or, you know, I should, 
I leave that course. I start another course. It's you know you need a little bit of a little bit of you need a goal and you need a, bit of a drive. And you need a kick in the ass. No big time. But yeah. I heard something recently actually that kind of resonates what what you're saying there. It was some it was some uh, some coach some basketball coach in the states said it, but he said that he was getting fed up with hearing how kids have changed. And his point was that kids haven't changed. Kids don't know anything. Kids no. are born more or less blank slates yeah. and they don't know shit about anything. Yeah. It's parents yeah. who've changed. Yeah. And that's why the kids seem yeah. different now. Yeah. Uh, and again, getting back to what we were saying there earlier about the kind of degrading system with the belts yeah. and the, the losing and all being yeah. part, setting yourself up, yeah. for, up for life, basically. Yeah. Um, I just had a, a little girl there only the other day. She's only a week old there yesterday and I have a, a mm-hmm. four-year-old at home. Um and parenting kind of changes you and yeah. you're a, a pseudo parent I think to a lot of people as a as a coach have you found yeah. that or yeah well I, I do I would I would be on the phone with especially some of the older teenagers mothers and fathers all the time you know some might have a bit of trouble outside and you give a hand out or you know you're dealing with parents here caution and then you're sort of like even if you don't want to be people are looking up to you you're a role model or you're, you're their coach your figure of authority to them, so you have to be responsible and you have to act responsible, and you have to sort of set a, a set a guideline for them, you know. And have you a philosophy there that you kind of stand no, over? No, my, stand my by? man, that like um, sort of brought me up. That like, like when people say to you, I was asked a while ago, who's your hero? And I always say, my parents, because my parents, they sort of they, they gave me stuff that they couldn't have. So um, I remember there was a trip to France in my judo club, and I went away in an airplane to France. With the judo, my parents didn't went. Uh, we never went to play on on holiday. Yeah, it was a great yeah. holiday is a great upbringing. Our I need a new judo suit. A new judo suit was hundred quid. You had to bring them in from Europe somewhere, or Japan or something. I would get that, you know. But I had to work hard for it. I had to go to them training sessions. You know what I mean? I had to put the work in. So I think um, I like I like to see people working hard. I like to see people trying hard, and you'd be rewarded. The guy that comes up and he's bags of talent and barely does anything does me fucking head in. Yeah, it it's a waste, know. nearly, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, a yeah. waste of your kind of God-given talent. Like, yeah. um, have you? How have you felt that you've progressed as a, as a coach? Because you kind of self-admittedly said that you didn't really know what you were at starting out. Yeah. Then when you start coaching people, it's not just your own. Uh, like you can make a balls of your own life from what yeah. you're of what you're doing yourself. But was there ever a moment there, or what are your thoughts on that? making a ball to somebody else's life. Yeah, what I do is, uh, I, I look back and I say, okay, say on the coaching end of it, and never mind to do with people, I look back and say, okay, when I competed as Euro, what were them top teams doing? What were them top countries doing? What were, what way were they living? And I say, okay, what were they doing? Well, they were doing A, B, C, and D. Okay, we need to do that. So say in this gym here, we have a guy that comes here, Dave Quinn, he does a bit of physio with the lads every week. We have a strength and conditioning uh, coach Kevin Hendricks from Strand Performance Institute in our town. he does strength and conditioning with the lads so we try and bring stuff outside into the gym the gym is open seven days a week get out of that mentality of it's two days in the sports hall put the mats down no it's not two days you live the life and you train the life like footballers premiership footballers they're not a footballer just for the Saturday they live and they breathe and they, they train and that's their life it's, it's football and, and so we try and implement that in the gym here so I try and push that that okay just because you're, you're not here them other days. So if you're going to the gym, you're doing the, that weight session to help your martial arts, or you're doing that swimming session to help your martial arts, or you're going to do your yoga to help your flexibility, or you're doing, you, whatever you're doing, you're running to keep your cardio up. It's all for that lifestyle you're living. It's not 
two days a week. So that's what I did learn from training abroad and being abroad to people, that they lived it, you know. They, you know they did, it wasn't just, okay, I'm do judo, Tuesday, Thursday, and the rest, do the five days, I'm just fucking in hope. No, then with the five days, I'm still a judo player and an athlete. I still have to live like that, and I still have to treat myself like that, and treat everything I do like that. So I try and, I try and, I try and implement that in the gym here. No, I love that. I think yeah. that's actually really cool. Yeah. And what you made me think of there is, you know, on a Saturday night when you're out with the lads, if you're a martial artist, you know, have four points, not yeah. 20. Yeah, listen, there's, <laughs> no, there's, no, there's no problem turning off. If you just, listen, if you just want to come and do martial arts as a hobby, no problem, have your 20 points. Come and enjoy your training. But don't get caught up in the, why am I as good as that guy that's in the UFC or that guy that's a black belt of the map? Because you're doing it as a hobby. And do yes. the hobby and enjoy the hobby, but try and get a bit of discipline out of it. You know, try and say, okay, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep me training up two or three days a week, whatever. But if you're that fighter, you can't be out having twenty points. That's no problem. Off season, are you going on holidays, or you switch off for that week or two? But if you're tr- training Monday to Friday, like a terrier, and you know and you're going bananas, and then Friday, Saturday, Sunday, you're drinking and eating shit. You're back to square one on Monday. There's no progression, you know. Yeah. It's all about your mentality, though. It's, it's your, your mentality, yeah, yeah. You know, it's, it's what you identify as. Yeah. What are you? Are you at this part-time? Yeah. Is this a bit of crack? Or yeah. is this something that you want to do? Yeah. Yeah. Because I think that's a, a message, I suppose, that you know, you're, not, you, like, you're not going to get the message that you just kind of outlined yeah. there. You're not going to get that in a job. No. You know, your, your boss is never going to speak to you in those yeah. terms, but your yeah. coach might. Yeah. Do you know that kind of way? Yeah, I, I've learned from good coaches. I, I'm a very good coach, um, Norman Caprani, that... He was my judo coach, but also he had me on the track on a Wednesday, Friday, doing track work, and then we signed up and done the hill running on a Wednesday night, and then we'd be surfing other weekends, and we ran every day, and there was always something, but it was always to do with the judo. It was always to make that better, you know? It was never just, okay, we're doing judo one or two days a week. Okay, we're, we're in. We used to go to the flex gym, or we, we went and wrestled in the herks, all to make what we did better. You know, you live in that sort of lifestyle. Yeah, you know? look, absolutely, yeah. yeah. And I think that there's a lesson there for people, like outside of martial arts, just in general, like, you know, know who you are. Yeah. Understand, you know, what, yeah. what you want to get out of life. And yeah. don't be just, I think, I think people are lost these days. They don't have, like, if, if, you're, if you're a fighter, say, if you've got that thing that yeah. you identify with, you can train every day or every other yeah. day and you can do all these different things. You have things. to enjoy it as well, you know. Oh, no, of course, no, absolutely. It. You have yeah. to embody it. It has yeah. to be, be part of you. Yeah. But I think that's what's missing in, in life in general. People, yeah. they get jobs and yeah. they, they, you know, they, they go into work. They work nine to five and they pay their yeah. bills. And well, no, I, I always have that. Like, I always have guys say to me, oh, I couldn't train last night. I was in work or I did it. Well, it was 24 hours. My, my coach used to say to me, I used to say to him, you know, I didn't finish work till nine tonight when I was in the army. Could be doing something. Yeah, did you go for a room when you went home or did you train that morning or could you bring your skipper open to work and skip on your break? Or, you know, there's no excuses. You've got yeah, 24 yeah. hours. Okay, of course you have your days when you're, when you're not doing anything. But if you're training for something or you have a goal, you make that time. You know, you make that time. Okay, I'm at the work in 12 hours a day. What's another half an hour? Do you know, half an hour skipping or hit a bag or, you know, I can't get down to the gym. Any chance I can get the keys off you? I can, go, I can come in before work in the morning. Yeah, no problem. You know, People put up blocks in front of themselves. I have, uh, my two kids do dancing. If you're in my house, you never even know why I don't do it martial arts. It's all dancing in my house. Stage right, right. And dancing and, yeah, so, but my, my youngest one, she's 12, and she's very, she's very driven, very competitive. Um, like she's ballet on a Monday, and then she goes straight to another dancing. She's da- disco dancing, and she dances in a energy and ballet here. She's there 
three or four days a week that she stayed school Saturday and you know they're living that life my my girls are you know that the way our MMA fellas are the dance it doesn't matter what it is dancing football basketball you live that lifestyle you, you know I'm oh, probably know. rattling on here now. No, 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 no. This is all. <laughs> yeah, this is yeah. all golden stuff because again, yeah. like I, I've heard kind of, I've heard certain things like that because I'm I'm into kind of philosophy and I, yeah. I've I've trained in, in martial arts and I've I've played hurling yeah. and I played rugby and I've done a, a load of different things. Yeah. But the overwhelming majority of my listeners won't have heard these things. Yeah. So th- this is all yeah. brand new to yeah. to most people and it's a it's a message yeah. that isn't. It's not out there. It's not yeah. being given. Do you yeah, I, th- I think as well for me. Sometimes I have to stop and say. Sometimes I say to myself. Oh Jesus, you know, um, like as you say, who are you doing this? Or I might be as good as I think I am, or maybe I haven't got a bleeding clue. And then, not last year, the year before, we had we took three medals at the World Championships. There were six taken for Team Ireland, three came out of this gym. We got a world champion and we got two bronze medalists. I think it was three. And a friend of mine that would have been probably Ireland's most successful judo player, a fella called Kikoff. He was a European medalist in Barcelona Olympics and stuff. And he said to me. Jeez, you must be doing something right there. He said, one medal, I say, could be a fluke, but three medals at the World Championships. And I said to myself, well, hang on a minute. You know, the world, the, the, the premier amateur championships in the world, you know, I took three medals in this yeah, gym. The, the whole world. Yeah. <laughs> I I mightn't be a bad coach after all. Maybe I do, maybe I do know what I'm, I'm doing, you know. And I think sometimes you have to remind yourself. Sometimes it's, I don't know whether it's an Irish thing, we put ourselves down. Um, I try and look at the boxing and the boxers, the boxers don't. The boxers looking, so you know, we take on anybody, you know. We're Olympic bloody champions here, you know what I mean? And I think we have to learn from them. And I try and look at that and say, Yeah, we're from Ireland, the fighting Irish, yeah, we are good at this, you know. Yeah, we're a small country, but so what? You know, we can give as good as we get. No, absolutely. Yeah. And I think that's something that's not it's not promoted as much as it should be. We how no. we punch above our weight. Yeah, in, we put, we put ourselves down all the time. I remember um going away to a judo tournament and uh, it was a big one. I thrown in the deep end like it was like, say, we were League of Ireland and you were going into the Champions League. Yeah, yeah. Right? And, but we were going with that mentality, being told that. And then we were going over and when you go to an international tournament, you're meant to bring a flag and your national anthem medal. And someone said, if air coach said, no point in bringing that, we're not going to get any medals. So that was in, ingrained in your head going over. So yeah. even if I get on that plane, you'd lost. Yeah, you're set up for a we fall. Would, yeah, we would. We, we had a guy fighting in Scotland last week, Adam Darby, a great kid, um, He's, he, he, when I look at fighters and I look at him and I say, he 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 has he might be the most talented, but he is coming on, but he has great work ethic. He's in college, he works part time, he has his own car, he's here in the gym all the time. He went to Scotland last week, was getting beaten for the first two rounds, and choked the guy unconscious in the third round. Lovely, because he had that in his head. I'm going to win this. I'm, I'm not. I'm not going all the way over to Scotland here just for a trip. I'm going over here to win this fight. And I see it all the time with fighters. I had a, um, a very good guy here, one of the professionals, went and fought in a big show in the O2 in the Indigo. And he got there, and next of all, well, this is on telly, this is, oh, look at this event, this is a big stadium. He lost before he went in. Yeah. You know, and the same guy fought in the three arena here and kicked the living day, said of felt he fought. He just got caught up in that and didn't believe in himself, you know. So you, you can't have that. You have to, and I, I was sitting down after that and said, What's the difference of fighting in that place or sports hall down the road? The mentality should be the same. You go, you, you, you're going all to be over there. You're making that trip. You're going to win. You're not going to make up the numbers. And I think sometimes Irish, Irish people have that. We're here to make up the numbers. 
You know, we're not here to make up the numbers. Fuck that. You know what I mean? Well, you're there to make up the numbers if that's all you think you're there to do. Yeah, fuck that. Do you know what I Because yeah. I say to lads, I'm, like, I, I, I'm busy enough, and I say, I'm busy, I've my own kids, you know, and my own life, and I try and do, I do a bit of weightlifting and do a few other things. So if I'm going with you halfway across the world, I'm going over there to win. I'm not going over there just for like a trip to say, oh, I was in Japan for the weekend, or yeah. I was in San Diego. I'm going there to compete. We're going there to win this. And I think you have to have that mentality, you know? I think there's a lot of talk about, you know, a, a, a kind of a fighter's mentality, or you often hear about, I think, professional sports people, like golfers, let's say, you know, oh, his head wasn't yeah. in the zone well, or, or I whatever. was like that as a judo player. I was, I was going to big tournaments, going over there in my head, losing. And it wasn't until I sort of stepped back and I was retired and I looked back and said, well, hang on a minute, when I'm on the training camps of them fighters, I can give as good as I get. But when it comes to the event... And that's because the whole management, the whole background staff with you. Like, I was at the World Championships in Birmingham in, in, in 1999, and I got drawn with this guy from Germany. And uh, this guy was a wonder. The World Masters is an event where a European champion, world champion, you get invited. And he had won this. So, so, and straight away, my coach was, oh, fuck it, getting a bad draw there. Instead of saying, lovely, you know, we know what this fella does. Well, give, give it to him. You've nothing to lose here. Yeah. It was the opposite. Oh, you got a bad draw. He's going to win the medal in the World Masters. He's this and he's that. And sort of saying. So I was going on to that with a losing mentality in the back of my mind, you know? Yeah, you'd lost before you yeah, stepped out, like. you know. So we try and get rid of all that shit, that negative stuff here, you know? We try and say, okay, well, we don't not try, we do. We're going out there, we're going out to win, you know? We're going to hit to compete. And if you lose, I have no problem. If you go out there, a fighter goes out there, gives 100%, gets beaten. No big deal. You gave it your best. It wasn't your day. But if you go out there and only give 50%, well, then I'm going to be pissed with you, you know? Yeah. yeah, and you should be pissed with yourself yeah. too. Like. Yeah, yeah, of course. You know, And some fellas, you know, they, they get caught up in that. Yeah. Or you have the guy that goes out there and gets beaten and says, I wonder why I got beaten. Yeah, because you missed three sessions last week and you missed a session the week before that. Yeah, because you can have yeah. the, you the can fight have is the, the easy part. You can the fight the, is the yeah. easy part. It's the eight weeks training for that fight is the hard part. Yeah, yeah, you know? or the four years previous yeah. or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Because yeah. we only had this discussion with a, a good friend of mine here, A.B., uh, it's actually his mother, um, Marie Murphy. She brought me to my first Euro class when I was a kid, you know, and we've been lifelong friends, two families all the time. And he will be a good, uh, he's a very successful businessman, and he'd be a good mentor to me and go to help here and guide you in the right direction. And I was saying, you know, it's great, Neil, to get into the USA and that whole 10 weeks of training. And he said, no, he says, the last eight years you were training him get him there yeah. it wasn't out done in 8 weeks it was done in 8 years of hard work of groin and graft and of them fights where you're getting beaten or that show where you're going and there's 4 years in the bleeding one cheap hotel room and you know there's no money involved now you made it the big time it wasn't an 8 week camp it was an 8 year Absolutely, period yeah. you know? and yeah. I think sometimes when you look at a successful business they've done that in business they know they, didn't, they just didn't walk into a successful business they worked hard at it and built it from ground up, you know. And I think that's what happens now, even M- MMA here in Ireland. Guys open the gym. Oh, we want to be in the UFC. Oh, it doesn't work like that. John's SBG is the most successful gym in Ireland, probably one of the most in Europe. But they didn't start off in the UFC. They started off small shows, shows in Ireland, getting their asses kicked, winning some, losing some. Then a couple of shows in the UK. That built and built and built and built. Then they were in the first UFC, got their ass kicked. And then... You know, it, come, it, it builds. It didn't just happen overnight. It happened over a long, long period. And I remember people saying that, you know, an overnight success, 15-year overnight success. Yeah, you yeah. Know? <laughs> you know, it's mental. Yeah, and I think that there's, 
parallels there with, with just life in general because I think a lot of people go into work with a a loser mentality yeah. do you know the kind of way they, yeah. they go into that sales meeting or pitch yeah. or, or whatever it is yeah. or maybe they're starting uh, their own business yeah. and they're looking for money or yeah. they're going into the bank maybe even for a loan yeah. you walk in there going oh Jesus I shouldn't really be going in here I know what's the bank manager going to fucking see that he'll see people see straight through that like. I know um, and it happens all the time and we all do it we all, we all have that doubt you know Absolutely. I think it's where you need to surround yourself with good positive people you know to sort of, sort of keep you on a straight and narrow and and, and back it up, you know. If you're with negative people all the time, talking shit and bad mountain people, yeah, you're living that lifestyle, you know. That's the, what happens. That's a, it. Seems to be an always. I, I don't like to call it an Irish uh, thing because I haven't really travelled enough to know if yeah. it is only an Irish thing. But you know, begrudgery or um, I think it happens all over the world. I just think we're experts at it, you know. Yeah, we, it's a national yeah. pastime, really, yeah. with us, isn't it? Kind yeah. of pissing and moaning and you know, giving out yeah. basically. Yeah. Um, and I think as well we worry about what everyone else is doing instead of yourself. And, and, and I could be like that as well. You might, and it, it, it's 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 nature, isn't it? It's uh, human habits. And you look and say, "Oh, that gym down there, oh, they're doing this, this, and this. Oh, they're out again." But you forget what you have yourself. People are saying the same about you, you know. Of course, oh, that yeah. gym down. Look at they're doing this. And you know, you're always you're always looking at your negatives instead of the positives. You know. Yeah, well, I've a kind of a theory on begrudgery. Begrudgery is some, begrudgery is always self-imposed. Yeah, because it doesn't matter what what somebody else is thinking yeah. or saying about you. Yeah, all that matters is what you're thinking and saying yeah. kind of to yourself. Like you, yeah. you, you genuinely do create your own yeah. reality. You know, yeah. it's kind yeah. of a, a mantra that's yeah. kind of developed out of this. Yeah. Out of this. Because so, sometimes you sit and you say, you look and you say, "Just Conor McGregor's going to win a hundred, hundred million quid." And Jesus Christ! Then you look back and say, "Well, hang on a minute. What, what have I got? And what where am I? Oh, we have a good little business. I'm a good marriage. I have a great wife. I have two great kids." That's great. And after that, is a, you know, is, a, is a, an extra bonus. But I think sometimes we look what everyone else has and not what you have yourself, you know. I think fighters do that as well. Jeez, he's going to get a shot at that belt. Yeah, we were to win the two belts there last year. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know. Or, or, or he's pushing himself. He's selling himself. You're not pushing yourself. You're not selling yourself. You know, you, you st- take the next step up. So I think, you know... I'm probably rattling on again. No, 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 no. <laughs> this is absolutely beautiful. Yeah. This is perfect yeah. stuff. Because the, I've noticed myself again, when I started this, I was looking at the numbers, looking at the downloads. Yeah. And at the start, it was like, I kind of got a kick. I was getting, jeez, I got, I got five downloads this week. And I was yeah. kind of like, you know, walking, you know, two foot yeah. off the ground. There's fucking people listening. Yeah. And then two months later, it was like, oh, fuck, I only got 50 downloads today. Fuck. Yeah, you know, no. I got 60 last week. Yeah, no. And Mental, your, your bar kind of yeah. raises with, the better that yeah. you get. So you, I don't yeah. think you ever really reach that place where no. you're 100% kind of comfortable with, yeah. with what you've done. Uh, but I think if you're, tra- if you're on a good trajectory, if you're on a, the right path as such, you know, kind of way, there's, there's a kind of a lot to be said yeah, for of that. Yeah, like, um, So how many lads have you actually competing now? Is it not as many as it would have been? Yeah, no, yeah so you think that, and then when you look, yeah, we, like, we, like we had we'd four, we'd four competing last week. We won on there the weekend. That's five. I'd say we have a good little team here. Of probably, I say we've probably got twenty amateurs competing, and then pros wise, then we have Paul Redmond, Keith McCabe, uh, James Sheen, Patrick Wickstead, Yui O'Rourke, Eric Nolan. Who else have we got? John Redmond. We've a couple more. I think we've uh, Miles Price, Mick Brennan, Andrew Morphy, and oh, we've a few. Jesus, that's yeah, I, I yeah, wasn't pros, expecting yeah, the and then, numbers. And the amateurs, we've a lot of amateurs. We've we've a good few amateurs there at the moment, yeah. 
Because again, just getting back to what I was saying about the kind of the downloads. Yeah. If you had that amount of amateur fighters and that amount of pro fighters, yeah. you know, 15 years ago, you would have yeah. had one of the biggest gyms in yeah. nearly the world. Yeah. Almost. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't yeah. know why would you think about yeah. it? Like, yeah, it's mad. Yeah, you forget sometimes because people are some like some guys are like Keith McCabe now. He's got a uh, torn retina. He's in getting an operation. He's going to be off the scene for a while. Uh, one of the lads with bad knees. He's got off the scene. So they're always coming and going. You know, always coming and going. And then with the amateurs. Um, what I find is now we're on a rebuild at the moment where a lot of the lads we had say the younger guys are either doing the leaving cert or start the college right. you know and you lose them because they went to that college right? you do lose them and then some of the amateurs some of the amateurs we had that have never gone pro we're getting a little bit older now getting married our jobs have changed so you lose them but we've a good little core bunch there at the moment I think we've 20 amateurs competing I think roughly could be more yeah, you know, good stuff. Yeah, it could be more. What's your amateurs? Like, I know when I was at an amateur level, you'd fight two or three times, four maybe at a push, and then yeah. you'd either go pro or you'd almost give up. There's no need to go pro, really. See, that, that, that's the problem. Um, guys weren't going pro. They were going from amateur rules to professional rules, but they were still amateur fighters. Like, were they leaving their jobs and going full-time training yeah, and yeah. making wages? They're only getting 400 quid a fight as pros in Ireland. So th- that's, the, that's the big thing that people think, okay, I'm a professional fighter. No, you're not. You're fighting professional rules, but you're still an amateur. You're yes. still in your job, and you're still training two days a week. Where, say, um, the pros here, Paul Redmond, he lives and trains it. So he has a, we have a little gym here we built here, personal training. He does a bit of personal training now, and he trains twice a day as a professional athlete. And yes. he fights in the bigger shows. So everyone can't do that. You know, so we try and get some of the pros to do some coaching so they can get some money in. And a lot of them do personal training. But guys having like, like you wouldn't see an amateur boxer having four fights and turning pro. Of course, yeah. It'd be madness like. Madness. So why do we do MMA wise? Because fellas want to tell their, their mates they're fighting in the Trinity Sports Centre for four hundred euros and we're fighting professional. You know, you're not professional. You know, yeah. you're an amateur fight professional rules. So I think now with IMAF and OIMA, there's no need now to go, prof- go pro unless you're good enough. So you can c- compete at that amateur level. You can do, become a European champion, a world champion. You can go to the South African Open, you can do the US Open as an amateur. Yes. And then if you win at them, I'm, I'm a good at them, then, then turn pro. But I think guys turn a pro for the sake of having, oh, I had four fights now, I'm a pro now. No, <laughs> That's crazy. And can a living be made from fighting in Ireland at the minute? It's hard. It's hard. Um, unless you're at that top 1%, no. Um, because your fights are spread out. So, like the Reds, are, he has to do his personal training. He DJ. So, Reds is a fine example of hard work. People see Reds, are, but you don't see the hard work he does. So, weekend gone there, he DJed Friday, Sunday night. He's personal training there every day. They with clients. And then he does all his training. You know, guys don't see all that. You know, so he might fight two or three times a year. But what he earns after he pays his, his few ta- bit of tax and he pays his management and pays his coaches, like, he just has living expenses, you know. He's not making a fortune. Oh, no, of course. F- yeah, it's very few. It's very easy for people then to see, is your man Reds or what? He fights three times a year. Just yeah. that's some life. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. As if, you know, you're, yeah. he's cruising around in a fucking Rolls Royce or something. Yeah. Like. Well, he's not. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh the judo scene what's that like in Ireland I don't be really involved in it too much I think it's um, I think it's the same as it's ever been I, I know you have a couple of good kids on the scene at the moment um, but I, I, I think 
it's never going to be like what boxing is, you know. And why do you say that? I just think that my whole mentality and the whole structure and the whole setup of it, you know, it's 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 different. Well, you could have said that about you know MMA twenty years yeah, ago. Yeah, because we, we 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 try and work the way. We if you look at MMA in Ireland, it looks like MMA in America. The full time gyms, yes. match down permanent. I don't think there's any there's too many judo clubs that match down permanent. I think Sars Judo Club have one. Was one in Galway. That's it. Where nearly every Brazilian jiu-jitsu club in Dublin is a full-time premises, with classes on seven days a week. And what's so like? Don't get me wrong. I was about to ask you know what's so good about BJJ. I love it absolutely. I love, love it. it. Yeah, I tell you what I like about it. I like about it that it's you can do it at any age. Yes. For me, you can go to the European Championships as a white belt, forty years of age, and compete, get a medal, and have it. You know. And be rewarded and enjoy it, or you know, and you can come and train in classes where you're not getting punched in the head, or you're not getting thrown on your head to a certain level. You know what I mean? We've different level classes here. Now, of course, you have your serious classes. You know what I mean? So, but so I think I think it's 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 very adaptable for people coming into into it, older people as well. And whatever about older people, but younger people, like judo doesn't strike me. Not that I know a whole pile about it, but it doesn't strike me as the type of thing that you're going to, you know, get a black eye or miss work over. Or no, it's a tough sport. Right. It's kids is not too bad. It's a tough sport as an adult, yeah, thrown and you know. But it, 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 for me it's my love of all that martial arts judo has been number one love and I, I still try and go out to Port Marnock Judo Club to race stairs every now and again. He runs a great club out there, you know. And um and I have great respect for that man, you know, it's 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 good. I just think the the philosophy behind that or not even the philosophy, but it's still a part time sport, if you know what I mean. Like you go to England, I've friends who run judo clubs in England, they're full time judo clubs, they're there. Okay, the athletes mightn't be full time, but the club is full time, so that you know they can train morning, noon, and night. Where here, most ninety percent of judo clubs, it's in a sports hall. You put the mats down, you take the mats up. Yeah. Boxing clubs aren't like that. Boxing clubs are, you know, they're nearly four or five days in places. Where judo clubs are two days a week, really, you know. And has judo got a bad image then? No, no, has a, judo has a great image. I just think it, it's like wrestling in Ireland, and we wrestle here. It doesn't seem to have that popularity or that that professionalism behind it I don't think you know but I wonder what 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 is it about jiu-jitsu that's made it explode whereby judo I think didn't. UFC made it explode and then people see the likes of the Gracies and then people come and do it and it's on the ground a lot like it's hard if you if you come into a sport where you've never done anything athletic or you've never done any type of gymnastic stuff and someone throws you over the back into the floor <laughs> it's not it's hard you oh, know? No, I know yeah, yeah of course you know it's hard but it's different if you're coming from a, from an early age you know like most good jiu-jitsu players are judo black belts you know especially the Brazilians you know the Americans good wrestlers you know they, 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 sports go together and you'll see that like say here in this gym here like myself and Robbie are judo black belts and judo and jiu-jitsu black belts you know so you, you see that around a little bit and is judo a neglected element of the martial arts in mixed martial arts? Eh? No, I think because a lot of lads we do for the mixed martial arts we do more wrestling type of stuff. Okay, it's more applicable, say. Yeah, yeah, because right. it's nogi, isn't it? You know. Of course, yeah. Yeah, so we have a, a wrestling coach here, Bill McCann. Here, we do wrestle class every Saturday here. Right, and on the classes then for people looking to get into whether it's judo or wrestling or martial yeah. arts or jiu-jitsu, like what type of do you have like beginners classes? Or yeah, all our beginner classes are, are, are beginner f- are friendly. So even if we have a jiu-jitsu class, say a main big class, it's divided into two. We have a big mat area. So one half will be beginners, 
do the halfway advanced, one of the black belts would take the beginners, you know. Or we do beginner courses every now and again, you know what I mean? And is there a type is there a particular type of person that gravitates towards this gym, I find say, I find um a lot of the, the young guys come and join MMA because they want to see MMA and then they see, oh, this grappling stuff is good. And they end up liking the grappling. And then I find a lot of the older guys might come to jiu-jitsu because they see in the UFC and say, well, look, I don't do all that hitting and punching stuff. I think I'll try that jiu-jitsu, you know? Yeah. And is there a type of... Uh, what would I phrase this? Is there a type of student that you would welcome... Not that you would welcome more than most, because obviously everybody's welcome, but is there, is, there, is there a particular type of personality of person that you would find stays let's say here yeah well we'll give an example we have a fella here in the gym Ronan Drumgirl um, he would have been a good hurler and he he has that sort of that sort of competition you know mentality in him and he wins all the tournaments here you know he's got two silvers at the European Championships and even though he's 31 I think he still competes in the adults and he, he'll mess with but he has that good drive we find that fellas that come from you know a competitive sport will last a lot longer. But the gym here, it was very much like that for a long time. Uh, it was a very competitive gym here. But we got a bad name. Fellas say, I wouldn't go up to that team right now. You get bleeding killed up there, you know. They're bleeding headbangers. So we've changed now a bit as, as a business person and as a martial artist that, you know, we have to ad- look after everybody. So we've got guys here in St. Michael's House train here. We have a, a, a fella called Dermot. Great lad. Comes up here. He's treated the same as everyone else. He gets on the class, does the classes. But he's not doing full-on sparring with the professionals. Yes. He's doing what he can do. So we do, we do adapt to everybody. And the door is open to, to all levels. I think you have to be. I think that days of that little bunch of headbangers knocking the show down with each other is gone. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's uneducated and it's, you know. Now, we still have a little bit of that with certain lads. Certain lads will want to go a little bit harder than everyone else. But we have to be clever. You know, this thing of... We used to do sparring sessions, lads, we'd knock the shine out of each other. Yeah. We're not learning anything. So we'll do one night of sparring a week, and the rest is sort of tactical and drills. Of course, yeah. And you mentioned a couple of times that you've kind of progressed as a, as a business owner because, you, you know, you started out in the army. Yeah, I'm, I'm still lads. not great. I'm still fucking... I, st- I, I, really, I, I really need to go and do something. So I left school out to my group, cert. It's one of my regrets I didn't do my leaving, cert. Um, I think I will try. And that sort of puts me off sort of going to do what and college type of things, you know, where I push all the other lads to do it. Reds is doing a master's now in strength and conditioning and other stuff. But I, 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 we have a good system here. Actually, Roger put me onto the one he was using. We use the same sort of... Um, on the software for yeah, memberships the same software or whatever. And that's good. Yeah. And it's just getting on the ball. But, but I would still be very much... Someone come up here and I'm brutal for asking for money or I'm brutal for the business end of it because yeah. I'm the coach. So... I had my wife looking after that now. She's been busy with doing something else, so we sort of let that slack a little bit. But I do think you have to be, learn how to be a business owner. And, and I think sometimes when you do it, and I, I do it because I love it, you get it mixed up between a hobby and a passion and a business. Now it's a business as well, you know. Yeah, no, you can you you fall that. into that. And I know I do, you know. No, look, I, I've, I've kind and of. And Ro- Roger would say that to me. He said, You've been brutal, you know. You, you need to be more business like. I'd say, Roger said to me, Must use charge. And I say, We charge this. That's too cheap. Ah, it's not, Roger. Yeah, but you're a UFC coach and you're a judo black belt, judo black belt, you won the Pan Ams and you won the world medals of the World Championships and you won three or four European Championships. Ah, yeah, no, but like, it's, you know, it's fingless and it's only me. No, <laughs> no, 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 I know, yeah. And, and I would have that in my mind and he'd be looking at me saying, you're fucking mad. Yeah, you know? yeah. 
No, but it's hard. Like, I find it myself even like when I I sell what X amount of stuff to my customers every month, and then yeah. I don't get paid maybe the next month, and I'm ringing up, kind of going, "Oh God!" I'm, like I'm saying yeah. to myself, "Oh look, Jesus, I have to ring this guy and ask him for the fucking money he owes me." I know, it's mad, <laughs> Do you isn't know what it? Kind of way? I know. Uh, and I, I think as well, it's a thing here in Ireland that we have that fellas don't pay their, their gym bills because it's it's ah sure, I'll give it to him next week or next month or. You wouldn't go in and order a meal, or you wouldn't go in and buy a bleeding suit in the shop and say, "I no. pay you when I have the money." Yeah, of you course, know what I mean. Yeah, you pay all. for the service, you know. And we have a good service here. Like we, you see the pictures in the wall here. Like we've a lot of black belts, we've a lot of su- success. You know, we've we've gyms all over Ireland. We've three or four gyms in the north that are affiliated with us, and so we have a, we have a good little thing here. I think sometimes you have to, you know, look at what you have and say, hey, you know, fuck this. Oh no, absolutely, yeah, no, and more power to you. As yeah. as I said from yeah. from the outset, like you've been an inspirational character to me. Again, this 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 idea of you know, like who the fuck do you think you are? Like that, yeah. it's it's great. Yeah. Like I love I it. I think like. you have to be humble as well, and that's why I think you learn. I I do notice myself different years where some years I'll be you know it's supposed to the learning. We're gonna, we're gonna fucking kill everyone, you know. We're gonna do this. We're gonna do that. And then the next, you grow up a little bit. Okay, you know. You're a little bit more humble and a little bit more respectful, and then you're back, you know, sort of competitive. You got to learn how to put it all together, you know. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. A martial artist—that's what it's about, isn't it? You know, so. Especially the mix, I think it's you know it's, yeah. it's getting a bit of You have to be everything. competitive. You have to want to win, but you got to be humble. You got to be respectful, you know. Yeah, yeah. And that's the thing I look at, and and, and especially here, like, uh, you look at Japan, or you know, the coaches there, the, the athletes have hundred percent respect for that coach, you know. The coach isn't on the mat doing the competing. He's giving you his voice and he's helping you out. You're doing all the hard work on the mat. You know, you have to have that respect, coach, athlete respect, you know. I think sometimes in order that's a little bit out the door, you know. How do you mean? So, say likes of um, a black belt, say in Ireland, most of black belts are an older type of guy right here. In so, they have that belt for a certain level. A 20-year-old coming in trying to smash the head off a black belt you would never see that in Japan or Brazil or, you know, you have to have that little bit of respect. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like, say, I, I, when you're doing MMA, your coach, like my, my job here is my coach is to make all my athletes uh, my fighters better than ever I was. Right? I, I have a bad gym of I'm the number one in the gym of I'm the best in the gym. Yes. You know? But what happens is sometimes I might have a fella on the mat here say, we. there's a fine example. Robbie Brennan is 50 years of age. He's a judo black belt and a jiu-jitsu black belt just won the European Championships at Black Belt Masters. Now, Redzer is a professional MMA fighter, 30 years of age. Robbie shouldn't be able to beat him up, but Redzer shouldn't be trying to beat Robbie up because he has, should have respect for his knowledge and his experience. Yes. He's a, he's a coach. He's not an elite athlete. But I think sometimes here, like you would never say, I was training in uh, San Diego and I'm on the mat with Clark Gracie, world champion, superstar, and there's a guy on the mat teaching... Um, and much older guy than us, and the lads all listened and had respect, rolled with the man, very respectful. They, did, they didn't get out now beating up that man, you know. They were getting taking his knowledge and life experiences and you know learning from him. But I think sometimes here it's 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 that thing of uh, the twenty year old that wants to beat up that forty five year old. Yeah, I, I fo- tapped your man. Like. Yeah, yeah, but he's uh, you know working. He's a coach here. You're a professional athlete, or you're a competitive athlete. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I, th- I think that that's that's that line has to be drawn a little bit in, or- in Irish martial arts. You would never see it in any other martial art. I just think, and maybe it's because MMA just was new. 
Very new, I suppose, yeah, in, the, in yeah, the grand scheme yeah, of things. Yeah, yeah, you know, so a lot of the coaches still are the, the main guys. Yes. But they shouldn't be. It's your athletes. It's about your athletes, you know. No, well, it's all about the students, yeah, I suppose. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And you, the kids' classes are, you have, what did you say? How many kids do you have? About 80 kids in the class here we have. On, at the same time? At the same time, yes. Jesus, I'd say that's a sight we to four coaches, so okay. they're all divided into groups. And there's different levels. You move from one group. As you get a bit bigger, you move to the next group. Right, brilliant. And we got, yeah, I mean, we've got four coaches look after them, you know. So. And is it mixed boys and girls? Mixed boys. We've got lot, we have loads of girls here. Okay. And it's crazy. And the girls are killers. <laughs> killers. <laughs> no, it's brilliant to get them yeah. into it. Because again, just another thing that I've noticed is... Um, My like, girls won't do it at home. My youngest one is 12 and she's an unbelievable dancer. She's very good at gymnastics. And she would be very good at the jiu-jitsu. No interest. How much of effort have you put into kind of pushing her towards it, if any? Loads, but they, they dance five days a week. They wouldn't right. even have time, you know. <laughs> so they put so much time. If you put that much time and effort into jiu-jitsu and trained here, I'd have a little world champion in my hands. No, no interest. <laughs> and I don't try and force them. For me, whatever your kids want to do and they love it, and you know, that's brilliant. You know, they're never going to force them to do something they don't like, you know what I mean? Yeah, it can be very, it's yeah. one thing that I'm kind of mindful of. Now, my kids are, are obviously very young, but I'd be very conscious of kind of making them into miniature versions of me yeah. as opposed yeah. to letting them yeah. kind of blossom into There's themselves. not even one photograph of me. Or maybe there is one photograph in the house of me in, in doing martial arts. There's nothing. Dancing pictures everywhere. So <laughs> I, I keep joking when I'm saying we've uh, box room that's not used and said I'm putting that into my own little den I'm going to put a few pictures up of myself yeah, and yeah, yeah. feel me medals and I'm going to have my own little den in the house, you know. They're laughing at me. <laughs> Good luck with that yeah, one. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I, I have them here, the throne here. So I remember years ago, I was at uh, MMA, was only sort of, you know, them cage war show, warrior shows, or cage war shows in Belfast. Sort of a bit all over the place. And you, like, you, there was no such thing as, I went up to fight up there and I didn't know who I was fighting until I got there. Yeah, yeah. She yeah, was torn up. So I fought this guy, a nice guy in Galway, toy boxer. And um, it was the competition at the time was called Night of the Champions and they tried to have say a Thai boxing champion a judo champion a something else you know different people and we all fought and I got this big fancy looking plaque and I won the fight and I thought it was great brought it home anyway and we were moving about six months later and I said to me I says, where's that plaque on I threw that out not having that in the house <laughs> you know that's ugly looking thing you know what I mean so I had to deal with that at home you know what I mean <laughs> which is great as well you know Ah, yeah, no, of course, yeah. And as the business grew, uh, how much involvement has herself had in it? Or yeah, she's very good. She's actually, um, she runs all the, like I said, the, the membership and the sign-ups here, my wife has, and uh, I'll actually be lost without her. I don't, don't like saying that now. But yeah, yeah. No, it would be. She's very good like that, you know. And even all the years of time when we've, when we've had a bad, there was, you know, there's no money coming into the gym. Net, we, just, we just learned to deal with it, never looked for anything. So I'm very, I'm very lucky in that way. Um, my, I'd be saying to my missus, you need to change that car. And I don't want to change the car. I'm happy with this car. You know, she's very much, once the kids are sorted, the bills are paid, we're happy, you know. So, and it, it does make a difference. She's here. She knows all the lads personally and knows them all well. And she'll get the money out of them. And pay, you know, they pay her. And we're am brutal at that business end of it because it's hard to be on the mat as the coach and then behind the desk, doing the desk, you know, the front desk job. It's different. Oh, no. It, it, yeah. Of course, entirely. Yeah. Like, yeah. like, you're... You're a mixed martial artist and, a, you know, you're a businessman yeah. and a father yeah. and a coach yeah. and, you know, yeah. all things yeah. all things compounded on top of each other. But um, So if anybody is interested in, let's say, giving it a lash or 
Like, is there a particular day of the week that things start? Do you yeah, do like, like, like the thing with me is that, like, you know, you don't have to come here. Go if, for me. I think Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu was great for kids and great for adults and lads who want to get fit and just clear your head. You know, it's great to get on the mat. So wherever there's a gym near you, um, we're here every day of the week. We've gyms all over the place, but there's plenty of gyms around the country. Look up who your local gym is and go and see them, you know. To give your own ones a plug, because there's yeah. bound to be people listening to this who yeah. have a Team Rhino down the road yeah. and mightn't even be aware yeah. of it. So where are they in Ireland? So in Dublin, we've got the main one here in Finglas, and that's the sort of the HQ. We've got a small one in Donomate in the Trinity Sports and Leisure Centre, and uh, Paul Redmond and some of my coaches run the gym there for me. Uh, and then we have Dungarvan and Waterford. Tony Keane is there. We have Bobby Mead in, in Waterford itself. We have Mick Brennan and Miles Price in Kilkenny. We have John Ging in Port Leash. We have Peter Lavery in Belfast. Jason McCabe in Derry. And Peter McClay in Causeway and Coleraine. It's good. As you, name out the, as you mentioned out the names there, I wouldn't know any of those guys personally, but I know them from being just on yeah, the MMA Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're on the MMA scene, like the culture our... scene. And Peter Lavery now from the, the gym in Belfast. He's on the MMA scene longer than me. You know, he's one of the first fellas in the North was involved in it. He jumped in and fought events and, you know, some of the first mad ones that are around. And he's probably one of the longest running gyms in Ireland. Kokushin, uh, I think that's the name of it. Yeah, no, <laughs> they give it out to me. Pay that lady. But he's one of the oldest gyms around, you know. There's something cool about those, that group of lads, yourself included. Yeah. And I'd love to go to like an almost a, an MMA kind of Christmas party where yeah. all these lads would be yeah. at because... Yeah. The one thing that you all, I think, have in common is a fuck it mentality. Yeah. You know that kind of way? Because you, yeah. you don't end up as that person without yeah. something like that. Yeah. Do you know that yeah. kind of way? Yeah. But, um, yeah, listen, it's been an absolute pleasure. I've taken up enough of your time and yeah, my, no fucking head, my head yeah. cold is fucking I don't know what I was talking so. about anyway. I was funny drifting in and out and talking shite. No, no, no. Talking not at all. Not at all. <laughs> it's an absolute pleasure chatting to you. Have you a website or a Twitter page yeah, or so, Facebook? Yeah, or so, so uh, me, for m- my um, Instagram is Coach Andy Ryan and then we've got a Team Ryan one as well give me a follow on them We're always, I always put up little videos every morning Coach Andy Ryan I get a bit of stick I have, give all the lads a bit of stick and um, have a bit of laughing and then we do uh, the Facebook Team Rhino Facebook page and we've got the website Team Rhino as well dot com Daddy, well, so, for, yeah. for well, give me a shout out on the Coach Andy Ryan one I put stories up every morning we a bit of slagging and messing we were out we were training yesterday Myself, Redzar, and Jeff Hendricks, the place for Ireland. Jeff, he he'll give it out to me. I keep calling him Jeff Hendricks. It's Hen- Hendrick. So Jeff, he was home there. His brother, um, Kevin, is there, strength and conditioning coach. So when Jeff comes home, he links up with us and we'll do a couple of training sessions together. Bit of laughing, a bit of slagging, you know? Yeah, Daddy, well, for anybody yeah. that's listening, that's enjoyed the conversation, yeah. is thinking about getting into one of the clubs anywhere yeah. in the country or here, uh, give the the Instagram page a, a like or a follow, yeah. and it'll give you a little window into yeah, course, the yeah. mentality, yeah. And the ethos, and yeah. you know, the, yeah. give you a feel for what yeah. you, you might be getting yourself into. Yeah. So, uh, listen, Andy, thanks a million again for taking the time. Uh, pleasure chatting to you, man. Yeah, no problem. Lovely stuff. Thanks a lot.